It is Sunday, October 3rd, and the Major League Baseball season has wrapped up. The regular season has just finished, but the fun is just about to begin. Playoffs start Tuesday. The playoff bracket is set. We're going to break it down for you, make some predictions. But before we do that, we got a lot of stuff to talk about that happened in the last week of the Major League Baseball season. There was absolute chaos in the AL East, which really didn't surprise anybody. The Mariners almost came back and made the playoffs, and the Giants held on to win the NL West. Lucas, a lot to get to, man. Yeah, it's October baseball, playoff baseball. It's the best time of the year, Larry. This is episode nine now of the Hit by Pod. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. Larry, it is a time like no other. It's uh, something I look forward to every year. I know you do the same. It's October baseball. We've been waiting 162 games for this. We finally got the playoff picture set. Let's see how it's going to unfold, Larry. I mean, I'm super excited for this postseason, maybe more than any other. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot to be excited about in terms of the White Sox, but just elsewhere. I mean, seeing how things played out this year, a lot unexpected, especially with the Giants and the NL West. They just continued to be dominant straight through the finish line, staved off the Dodgers. I mean, you got to figure they're going to be a World Series contender, even though they were probably one of the biggest surprises in the league this year. Uh, the Rays, once again, dominant in the AL East, defeating two other playoff teams to capture that division title. So there are a lot of surefire contenders. We'll break down our picks later, I'm sure. But, I mean, a lot of storylines, as there always are in October. I mean, you got the Brewers, second overall seed uh, in the National League. They're going to be fun to watch. Also kind of a surprise there. And, of course, the Cardinals, who won 17 straight games. They're winning streak now over of course heading into the playoffs but we uh I don't think we got a chance to really talk about them I know our last podcast I think was when they had won what like 13 straight games yeah they were still still a little bit into their hitting streak uh or a little bit away from that end I think 13 to 15 yeah you're right so Cardinals man I mean that's it's that devil magic. I'm, I'm worried if I'm the Dodgers uh, going into that wild card game. But regardless, I, I think we got to start with the AL East, right? I mean, wow, what a what a last few days it's been in terms of the AL wild card race. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I mean, the Yankees. You kind of expected beginning of the year, middle of the year, those kind of whole season. You kind of expected them to be in the playoffs one way or another. Uh, the Red Sox maybe not coming into the year and they've worked their way. They were a good team from the beginning. Um, you know, obviously they deserve to be there, but it does unfortunately mean that good teams like Toronto, um, you know, 90 plus win team for the first time in a while is going to miss out on the playoffs uh, in Seattle. Like we talked about, not in the AL East, but fighting for that second wild card spot. And uh, unfortunately came up short, uh, found ourselves in a situation today where, you know, we could have had a lot of different things uh, to, to work out. Um, if the Yankees and the Red Sox both won, they had that in their fate uh, that they could then make the playoffs, you know, um, that did end up happening, unfortunately, for Toronto, who also won. So it was really taken out of their hands. Uh, Seattle lost. So, again, you know, not much they could do there. But, yeah, it's going to be a great matchup, a historical matchup at Fenway uh, Tuesday night. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. It's a great way to start off the playoffs, too. It'll be fun. 
but I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't pissed. Yeah. I mean, come on. Who, who wanted the Yankees Red Sox in the wild card game? I, I absolutely did not. I mean, give me Seattle against Toronto every day of the week for that wild card matchup. I'm, I'm very much disappointed that it's Yankees Red Sox. Yeah. That would have definitely been the fan favorite. Like, I mean, Seattle's like up and coming. Nobody, nobody expected them to be there at this point. Um, but in the beginning of the year, and yeah, absolutely. America's team that's become on Twitter at least. And absolutely right. I wanted to see Toronto baseball in the playoffs. They're a fun team. Um, and yeah, I just, I really don't enjoy seeing the Yankees there every year too. So it would have been much better if we at least got like a game 163 or some extra baseball out of it. Um, you know, cards weren't, cards weren't handed out that way tonight though. Yeah, unfortunately. And I thought maybe, honestly, there was going to be a solid chance that we saw a four-way tie. I mean, that was still in play until mm-hmm. today, which is really wild. But at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, the Yankees, they made all the right moves at the deadline. I think on paper, they're, you know, the second best team in that division behind Tampa. And then Boston is right there. I mean, everybody kind of knew they were going to be a contender going into the year. And the same thing with the Yankees. But Toronto, I really like watching them play. I mean, they came to play today. They still won. But, of course, they were eliminated by virtue of both Boston and uh, New York winning. So that was really frustrating. But, I mean, George Springer came out, hit a leadoff home run, hit a grand slam later in the game. I mean, that team meant business. Vlad Jr. was going off I mean, in that MVP race that we'll talk about later. He, he was legit this year. And I think that Toronto team is going to continue to be legit. But it's so hard when you're that team in that division right? Because you're always going to have Boston. You're always going to have New York, those big market stalwarts going out and throwing money every off season where you've got Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore. It feels like maybe one of those teams is competitive every year, but they're, they've always got that leg down, so to speak. Yeah. Toronto, it, it sucks that they didn't make it because like you said, they, they're probably the most exciting team in my eyes that they're the team that if they're all playing, I'd, I'd watch Toronto over all of them. Um, but you know, a little silver lining. I think they're the youngest of the teams in the AL East, at least um, competitive-wise. You know, Baltimore maybe has, Baltimore has doesn't count for anything. <laughs> yeah, they're not an actual baseball team. But, yeah, so I still think that they're probably set up to continue that success. You know, the Yankees, they're going to spend every year. They're probably going to be good every year. And, uh, you know, same with the Rays. But, I mean, Simeon, if they can find a way to sign him back, uh, you have, what, 40-something home runs from him. Vlad was almost an MVP, just one of the deepest lineups. So, and like I said, you know, still young too, but Shad, he's really young, one of the best shortstops in the league. And they have some pitching now to work with. So I still think they're going to be good. And it's, it's just going to be such a good fight next year too. Yeah. Tough pill to swallow right now for Toronto, but definitely the future is bright. And then how about Seattle, man? Low key, they kind of came out of nowhere in my eyes. All of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, Seattle is, is kind of in this wild card race. So I started paying attention, watching some late-night Mariners. And you want to talk about electric. I mean, Seattle was selling out games for their last you know few games of the homestand on the season. That was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, their broadcaster was going nuts. I saw all those calls online. That was a really, really fun stretch. And you think or maybe wonder – if Jerry DePoto made more aggressive moves at the deadline, maybe Seattle has that extra edge to go into the playoffs. But instead, 
he traded the team's best reliever to Houston, and that's the only thing he did. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it sucks because Toro played well for him, too. He was a part of that that push down the stretch, and you wish that maybe that wasn't the only move that they had made because they're in a situation now where if they had won, you know, one more game, then they'd be in the playoffs right now. They'd be getting playoff baseball, and um, obviously you can make a move that's going to get that done, and they just didn't. So I obviously do think that the future is bright for them as well. They got Julio Rodriguez, an absolute stud, coming up for that outfield. They're going to have a rookie of the year. And um, Kyle Lewis, they're going to have Jared Kalanick, a top prospect for the last couple of years, super high ceiling. And now Julio Rodriguez, one of the top prospects now. That's going to be a stacked outfield, and they've got some good pitching talent too coming up in the system. So uh, I think, you know, Houston's pretty good, and depending on what they do in free agency, if they're able to retain a few of those guys um, like Correa, uh, then obviously they'll be able to compete. But Seattle's coming, and, you know, the beginning of the year, a lot of people thought Oakland was going to compete with Houston for that second spot, and uh, the Angels as well. Obviously, the Mike Trout injury sucks, so they're just kind of a wild card every year, depending on health. But um, you know, Seattle's coming, and it didn't work out this year, which sucks because that would have been a lot of fun to see. Um, and man, watching the pictures or seeing the pictures of the aftermath of the game today, seeing like Kyle Seager and um, Jared Kalanick crying, you know, that sucks because. Kyle Seager, of course, I, w- I would have loved to see him in the playoffs. I mean, he's played his whole career there, never made the playoffs, and he's just been great, super underrated. Um, unless you ask his front office, they say he's overpaid, and uh, <laughs> I hope he gets out of there and, and moves on to something better. But, you know, I would have liked to see that for him. Yeah, and that was touching, man. I mean, Seattle got behind that team, and that's not often that that happens. I, I think Seattle's a great sports town, but there's something about the Mariners that and obviously, when you've got 162 games in the season, that fan support is going to be a whole lot less intense than, say, them going out and selling out the Seahawks games and making their stadium the loudest in the entire NFL. It's a lot different. But I think over the last week you showed or Seattle showed that, you know, it's legit. You know, their, their fan base is legit. They'll come out when they've got serious games to play. But you kind of mentioned the the front office. Yeah, there's definitely some. I don't know if I'd call it sus stuff going on there or I don't know how to describe it, but so it, shady. yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem right. There are a lot of Jerry DePoto believers out there and I was one for a time, um, but it just seems like the Mariners are always in the state of purgatory, right? It seems like, okay, they're not like rebuilding. They're not the Orioles, but they're also not competing. You know, they're not like yeah. the Rays. And they I feel like Jerry DePoto's, I feel like Jerry DePoto is going for that raised field, right? Because he never goes out and, and makes any big splashes in free agency. A lot of the time the Mariners draft well and they develop well, but they never are just in the thick of that race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've had a lot of talent, you know, they've had some good players go through there. I mean, a lot of people have good seasons in Seattle and then just seems like they end up getting traded. So they could have had a really good team if they would have just played their cards right, I guess. But yeah, exactly. Like you said, they're just kind of always in that state where it could be good. It's like they have the building blocks to be a good team. It's just like it's not being used the right way or something like that. And now I think they've got the talent that you can't really mess this one up, hopefully in the next few years. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of truthers out there um, and believers in what DePoto has been able to do. So we'll see if it translates to some actual success for the first time in a while for them. Hey, you can never count out the Mariners to screw something up. I think the tweet of the week goes to Danny O'Neill, who sent out, did you know 
And the Mariners, 44 years of existence, they have experienced more ruptured testicles, five, than playoff appearances, four. So I think that sums it up pretty good. That's two and a half whole sacks right there. <laughs> that's, that's tough, man. That's tough. <laughs> Quite the metaphor, unfortunately. Oh, geez. We'll leave it there with the Mariners. Um, I will say, just in terms of baseball in general, I think this is – or today's scenario and yesterday's scenario in the past week's chaos is the best case not to expand the postseason that you could have had. Because here's the thing. If you expand the postseason, even two more teams per league, we don't have this whole chaos feel. You don't have the sense of urgency that all these teams had over the last week. Because I don't know what the the model they were tossing around was, or I don't know exactly what the playoff model was last year. Um, I do actually, but I'm drawing a blank. I mean, Toronto and Seattle would have been in, and it wouldn't have been close. It just would have been, all right, well, these teams are in. We're going to the playoffs. And sure, we would have gotten the fun of having Toronto and Seattle in the playoffs, which is always good, and it's good for competitive balance, I suppose. But at the same time, I mean, this current format puts a premium on one, winning your division, and two, just playing well throughout the season. Yeah, and we've talked about it um, you know, a few weeks ago, too. I think they found a good balance where the good teams generally are getting in. Um, I think especially – I mean, you can just look at the NL. There's not really any good teams that didn't get in. All the teams that you know had a chance kind of played their way out of it. Obviously, St. Louis went crazy and really solidified their spot a little earlier than I just think that they would have eventually found their way to. Um, but, you know, there, if you have two more spots in that playoff race, then you're dealing with, I don't even know who that would be, like the Phillies and the Reds or something. And to me, that's just, uh, those aren't playoff teams, you know. So I think it's unfortunate, but it also does add something to it too. It adds some drama to the regular season and to the end of it because, I mean, it wouldn't have been any storyline really if, you know, they were just playing for who got the home field advantage for the one game or whatever. Um, so I, I think it's a good balance. And I, yeah, I really wouldn't like to go back to what they had last year. I will say I enjoyed it last year because it gave me some White Sox playoff baseball, but um, for a regular year, I really don't enjoy that. Yeah. I can't even say I enjoyed last year's playoffs because the Cubs got swept by the friggin' <laughs> Miami Marlins. God. Duh. Exactly. Oh, oh. Jeez, that that was that was really bad. Yeah, that shouldn't oh. happen. That shouldn't be a playoff. No, that can't happen, man. That can't happen. How did? Oh God, how did the Marlins even make the playoffs last year? Well, like, I see, like I don't know. I, I felt like that Marlins team had some good young talent, sure, but like you think a Marlins team that finished here. Let me look up the standings from last year. Because I think it was top two from each division, and then the next two. Yes, top two from each division, and then the next two teams that were good in the league. And they had two wild card spots. Yeah. So the Cubs won the division. Uh, Miami got that second spot out of the East. They went 31 and 29. So, I mean, obviously, last year was such a different dynamic. Um, But yeah, I'm really glad that MLB's got this current situation that they've got right now because I think if they expanded the field from, you know, two wild cards to more wild cards, you know, maybe the top two teams in each division get in. It just waters it down so much. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like we talked about, it's it's a good balance right now where we're getting drama. Um, we're getting a reason to watch some regular season games at the end of it. And we're going to be watching good baseball in the playoffs, too. There's no doubt that, um, you know, you're going to see good baseball played out there. It's not going to be like a Marlins Cubs series. And um, I think that's for the benefit of the game. It, you know, gives teams a reason to want to be great and win that division. And, you know, it, you know, second place in the division isn't that hard. I mean, look at the AL Central. It's not hard to be second place in a division like that or the NL East. You know, it's you can be below 500 and make the playoffs like that. So let's just get the good teams and the, chance, the teams that have a legit shot at, you know, being a World Series type team. Yeah, absolutely. And then the flip side of that argument is, of course, you've got a 106-win team that is playing in a one-game playoff coming up on Wednesday in the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Obviously, I I think it's a good thing that there's a premium put on winning the division, and it's very rare to have a case like the NL West this year. I mean, the Giants, man, it's just borderline unbelievable. I mean, we were talking every week on the podcast. I said over and over, the Dodgers are going to make a run. You know, they're going to steal that spot from the Giants, and they're just going to hold them off. But it never happened. The Giants just played so well down the stretch. and Not that the Dodgers played bad either. The Dodgers finished the last 10 games of the regular season 9-1, and and they won seven straight games to close it out, but the Giants went 8-2. and So it's – that's pretty tough to gain ground that way. Exactly. Yeah. You're just looking at, like you said, it's rare that we're going to see this. It's, you know, historical that we see two teams that put up that level of success. I mean, the Dodgers had a great second half, like 30 games over 500 or something close to that um, in the second half alone. And yet only gained like a game on the giants in the standings. And so, I mean, even in the back of my head, I still sometimes doubt the giants, but I don't know what it is. You know, I just think that's, kind of washed out the drain at this point because we're headed into the postseason and and they did everything that I guess I thought that they couldn't. So, I mean, that's a that's a playoff-ready team. And, yeah, we're just really lucky to see two really good teams in one division like that. So, I guess it sucks that it's uh, going to come down to one game, but I think the Dodgers are going to pull ahead out, um, you know, pull out on top of that one. And so we'll just get some some better baseball in the DS. Yeah, a little, little foreshadowing there. Ah, oh man, ah, we get we get Lucas's first prediction early. I don't know, I don't know, man. We'll uh, we'll discuss that game at length. I'm sure here in a few minutes. Um, real quick, other NL West note: Did the Padres can Jace Tingler or what? Yeah, that's is he what gone? I, is he that's done? What I woke up to is either rumors or I guess when there's it reaches a certain point where it's not a rumor anymore. It's like they're they're expected to fire him at the end of the year. So. I think at this point, yeah, the Padres are in search of their next and their next skipper. I don't know. Here's here's my thing with all that. I just don't know that it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it was just one of those things where everything kind of went wrong. You had the two best teams in baseball in your division. You've got a young roster. The pitching staff can't stay healthy. Darvish got hurt. Snell just sucked. I mean, you fired your pitching coach midseason. That really didn't work. And by the time it was the end of the season, it just was too late, and San Diego just did not live up to the hype. I mean, you saw at the beginning of the season, they were a decent ball club. I mean, on paper, that is a well-constructed team that can win a lot of games. 
but I just don't know that that's on the manager. I think the the Padres had a lot of bad luck this year, but then again, in a situation like that, you need somebody to take the fall. And I guess it's uh, I guess it's Jace. Yeah, seriously, it seems like kind of blames being distributed around elsewhere, but you don't look at the fact that you've kind of sent out all your resources for these guys who just flat out didn't perform. So I think it's really on the front office more than, you know, the manager, especially, and, you know, the pitching coach, maybe he wasn't the greatest, but that definitely wasn't the reason why um, the Padres didn't make the playoffs or it wasn't the reason why they weren't the team that everyone expected them to be. Um, I think you can look at the division, you realize you have, you know, two historically good teams in that division, it's hard to be a third, you know, a third team right up there with them because, you know, if, if you're not playing, if you're not keeping up with them every step of the way, then you're just fighting for a wild card spot. And, you know, like you said, they had some bad luck with some injuries, some games didn't go their way. And, you know, they went on a real bad skid um, in September and just lost all their chances there. And, you know, just because there was a team, they were a team that just was forced to hang around. They weren't competing for the division. And, you know, I just, I'm not sure what the direction is for them moving forward. They have Tatis, obviously a superstar on a really long contract to build around. That's great. Obviously any team would be lucky enough to have that, but then you have a bigger contract at third base in Machado money wise, who I don't know if the value at this point is worth having both of those contracts you know, on that left side of your infield. So um, I'm interested to see if, you know, something maybe gets restructured. I honestly don't even know how that works in baseball, if that's even a possibility, but um, they'd have to pull some strings for sure if they want to be competitive like they expected to be this year. Yeah, it's tough because they went all in, right? I mean, they made moves kind of going shot for shot with the Dodgers, And then the Dodgers went and won 106 games and San Diego won 79. I mean, that's, yikes. If I'm the Padres, I'm might be crisis mode there because it's just like, like you said, they unloaded so much money. They, they don't have a lot of free money over these next few years. I mean, maybe they can go out and make some moves over the off season. I, I think the pitching needs to be addressed. I think the run scoring is okay. And their offensive production was, Pretty good, all things considered. Um, but the defense also is a question mark. I mean, Tatis does he even stay at shortstop. I don't. I don't know. There, these are questions that need to be answered. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, going back to the original question, I don't think it's on Jace Tingler. But I mean, somebody's got to take the fall. So I guess he's gone. Yeah, it gets to a certain point where I guess if if you're not getting the job done, then I I can see why they just need to move in a different direction. And uh, maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe you'll see some surprise um, cuts or uh, failure to, you know, resign. And I'm sure they'll have to drop some players because they have some big contracts, even outside of Tatis and, and Machado, and, you know, Hosmer, um, you know, just a few of those guys, Darvish, you know, those pitchers contracts are always big. So I think it'll be a different ball club for sure next year. Uh, and we'll see if they keep the same aggression and trying to, you know, get back to being competitive or if they kind of ease off. Um, and look more long, long run. Definitely. Well, is it, is it time to make our playoff predictions? We got to bring the wisdom out eventually. Oh boy. Now we'll truly see how good we are at this prediction game thing. I will say I kind of did predict the Cardinals run. So that's true. We'll see. About a month or two in advance, honestly. Yeah. That was, uh, I mean, disappointing, but not surprising. 
at right. least in yeah. my eyes. Um, what do you say we start with the American League, Lucas? American League wild card game gets going on Tuesday afternoon or evening on uh, ESPN, I believe, 7.08 p.m. in the Eastern time zone, if I'm not mistaken. Red Sox and Yankees at Fenway Park. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I would rather had other teams but that's fine you know we'll take what we can get at this point and how often is it that these two teams are in the wild card game you know because how often are yankees fans shitting bricks that they got to play in the one game playoff i don't know it's going to be kind of fun to see my yankees fan fan roommate kind of have to be stressed out but i don't know how i'm feeling about this game yeah unfortunately i think that the yankees are going to come out on top big reason of that is um red sox pitch chris sale today um, so he's not going to be able to go Tuesday for the game. Garrett Cole, on the other hand, pitched, I want to say, yesterday or two days ago, uh, and he'll be full rest for the game. So I'd imagine, of course, he'll be out there. Um, that matchup alone, just whoever's going to be their number two, whether it's Eovaldi um, or whoever they toss out, just I think Garrett Cole's got an advantage over whoever that's going to be. you got a certified ace going out there against Boston's number two. They both have lineups that can go put out 10 runs any day. Um, and I just think that starting pitching alone, it, it's um, enough to swing the matchup to the Yankees. Yeah, I, I'm i going to have to agree. Uh, I'm going to go with the Yankees in this game just because that pitching factor. I mean, looking at Uvalde's numbers from the season, they weren't that bad. 3.75 ERA, not great. Probably not the guy you'd say, oh, I want him starting the wild card game. That's no-brainer, Chris Sale. Uvalde has had success pitching the postseason before in a limited sample size, 22 and a third innings, one, six, one ERA. That's pretty good. Um, but I mean, Garrett Cole, man, it's Garrett Cole. We all know what he can do in the postseason. Everybody thought after the whole substance ban deal that he was going to fall off and he almost got a little bit better, you know, three, yeah. two, three ERA, not too bad. Uh, but that postseason ERA two, six, eight. And of course he, went out there and won a World Series with the Houston Astros. So he knows what it takes to get the job done, and I've got a hard time picking against the Yankees just because of that pitching matchup. But because it's Fenway Park and it's very quirky, you never know what could happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Boston's obviously got the advantage there with the home field. Another little storyline to that, too. So we obviously talked about the situation where there could have been even a four-way tie for these wild card spots. Um, and I guess beforehand, so the Yankees had to pick um, who they were going to play. They had the option of either playing Boston in Boston or they could play Toronto in Toronto. And previously, or like before today's games, they had selected to play Boston in Boston over playing Toronto. So they got their choice. Interested to see if Boston plays with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after that, kind of getting called out saying that they're the weaker opponent. But um, yeah, obviously that home field, that's clutch in the postseason, of course. So what a great game, great robbery, and, uh, you know, I'll definitely be watching every pitch. Yeah, that's uh, that's serious bulletin board material right there. That's classic. Yeah. And honestly, classic. I don't blame them. I, I think I'd rather play Boston in Boston than Toronto in Toronto, especially with Toronto's bats and how they were hitting down the stretch. I mean, I'll take a hard pass on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the one team that maybe could put up, you know, I'm, their offense is – more lethal than any other team in that division, honestly. So ALDS, that puts us both at 
Tampa Bay versus New York, and Chicago against Houston. Let's start with the White Sox and Houston, Lucas. It's going to be tough for me to pick against the White Sox uh, for a number of reasons, but I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I share a lot of those reasons, I'm sure. Um, In that same kind of mindset where there's no way I can pick against the Sox here. Um, It helps also that they've been playing great this last week of baseball. I mean, they lost today, but they won five in a row before that. Um, And just watching the team, they look like they're getting better at the things that they need to be getting better at. Um, You know, one of the key players that I've thought was a swingman for the team, whether they're going to be really good this year, really bad, was Yohan Mankata, one of my favorite players on the Sox. Um, had a great 2019 year, over a 900 OPS. Um, and everyone kind of, you know, of course, expected him to build on that, whether maybe 900 OPS isn't expectable um, every year. But, you know, he kind of took a step down uh, earlier in this year and, and 2020 as well. He's been hitting the ball a lot better. He's been able to actually hit fastballs out. Um, that's not normally what he's been doing, unfortunately. And it just kind of works out that, you know, the things are starting to line up when they need to be. Um, and unfortunately, part about that is that Rodon is kind of questionable for the series. We're not sure if we're going to see him. Um, he only threw about five innings in his last start a few days ago, um, and he's not 100%. So, you know, he is one of our top three starters. So, of course, I want to see him out there for that three-game series. But if we can find a way to work around it, and, you know, I think that the White Sox have the starting rotation uh, advantage. I think they've got a deeper starting rotation and, and better, honestly. Um, so if that means that Cease is going game three, he's had success against Houston this year. You know, all of our pitchers have had success one way or another against Houston. Uh, Giolito had a great complete game last year against them. He's looked good against them this year, too. So I just think, you know, pitching again, pitching is huge in the postseason, and I'm going to give the advantage to the Sox. That's a great case, a very sound case. Uh, I'll play devil's advocate here. I would say that a lot of people are calling the White Sox frauds, and they kind of have been for the last few weeks because that's the trendy thing to do, right? I mean, their bullpen has been at times shaky. I mean, Liam Hendricks, he's he's your big money closer, and he's for as much as he's getting paid, he's been a little up and down this year. The starting rotation's been banged up. You got Rodon, who has not been full strength. Lance Lynn had some injury problems earlier in the season. Dallas Keuchel has frankly been very, very subpar, uh, to say the least. I mean, ERA over five, that's not ideal. And the White Sox have the lowest run differential of American League playoff teams, which is surprising. Uh, However, I'm picking the White Sox to win as well. I think they will not lose a game on the south side. And I think all they need to do is split in Houston. You go to Chicago for two and two, correct? So it goes two in Houston, two in Chicago. If the White Sox win one game in Houston, I love their chances. I don't think that series goes to a fifth game. Um, but it's going to come down to the starting pitching. I think Lance Lynn, assuming he's starting game one, needs to go out there and shove and set the tone. He needs to be that guy. If the White Sox don't win game one, I don't know if I love their chances. Um, and then in terms of the back end of the bullpen, um, I mean, Kimbrell has not performed very well in this time with the White Sox. And you really hope, you really, really hope that he can pull it together because, again, Liam Hendricks is that guy who always wants the ball in the big situations. He's going to be the guy that wants to beg Tony La Russa every single game, like send me back out there for another inning, another inning, another inning. 
you probably want to have more than one of those guys that you can lean on. And I don't know if you can lean on Kimbrell right now. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with a lot of those points and I'll try to be as unbiased as I can. I, uh, I think Kimbrell is a huge issue that needs to be addressed and it needs to be figured out because I just don't think the way that we're using him now, um, it, it just hasn't been successful. He just hasn't been great in the eighth inning. Um, and if we have a great start, it goes seven innings, say, and you move it to Kimbrell who gives up two or three runs, um, you know, that just can't happen in the postseason. So I'm interested to see. We've had, you know, some bullpen success, too, in the past few weeks. Uh, Kopech went three innings, six strikeouts, one earned run. Um, rare to see him go three innings, but the last two times uh, he's been out there, he's done just that. And that would be huge for the postseason, too. If you can get three innings out of Michael Kopech, who's got, I mean, crazy good stuff, that's something that's, you know, that can win a series if you can get that out of two games. Um, you know, Keuchel, he also came out of the bullpen yesterday, uh, or maybe it was earlier today, but didn't look too hot. I don't know. I don't even know if I'd toss him on a postseason roster right now. Um, that's been a huge disappointment because a lot of his, you know, the appeal of having Dallas Keuchel on your team is his leadership and his postseason experience. And I mean, if the play's not there, then it doesn't really matter what you tell the guys because you're putting them in a in a worse situation when you go out there. So. You know, there's a lot of spots where I'm confident. Um, Garrett Crochet, another one, ERA in the twos this year. He's looked really good, and I hope he gets utilized in the right way. Um, Liam Hendricks, too. He's been up and down, of course, like you said. 113 strikeouts on the year to seven walks. Um, an insane ratio, and in the playoffs, I think that'll play. I think, um, you know, you got to trust your defense. Of course, the long ball has been an issue, but if you're not walking the guys, then I'm confident that, you know, he'll bring out his best. He's an emotional guy in the postseason, definitely going to bring out the best of him. We saw it last year in the, uh, when we played Oakland. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage. Yeah, needless to say, I'm a believer. I mean, I've talked about the White Sox in terms of them probably being a World Series contender all year long. Mm-hmm. Have they underperformed in the second half? I would say yes. Uh, however, like you mentioned, White Sox started to pull it together over the last week. And so I like where they're at right now. They've got positive momentum going into the postseason. They weren't sliding. They haven't been slipping. I mean, they won, what was it, 93 games to finish? Yeah, I think. 93 and 69, yeah, nice. That's uh, it's not too bad. Pretty nice. nice. Um, Houston, on the other side, this has all been White Sox conversation. I mean, you can never count out the Houston Astros because they're just those guys, right? They're the heel. Um, they've got all those pieces, not all the pieces, but a lot of the pieces from that team that everybody hated, the team that cheated, uh, Jose Altuve, namely Carlos Correa, all those guys, they're still doing their thing. So they are dangerous. Yeah, that's still one of the best lineups in the American League um, and one of the lineups that has a lot of experience too, like you just touched on. Uh, Carlos Correa, one of the best free agents to be on the market. Um because of that postseason experience. And I mean, he just hits, he's a great guy to have out on your, out there as your shortstop. Um, and definitely something to worry about. I mean, those guys can hit Bregman, Altuve, all of those guys. Uh, there's no doubt that they can, you know, just explode any given day, no matter who we toss out there. So yeah, got to give credit to them. They've got the bats, uh, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're super deep team. Kyle uh, Tucker out of nowhere. Yeah. One of the best yeah, seasons this year, honestly. I mean, Played really well and, um, you know, got some good, good uh, management, good leadership too. Dusty Baker. Uh, Dusty. 
Oh yeah. Well, old man matchup too. I think it's like 150 years between the two guys. It's pretty close, honestly, which is crazy. That's gotta be like the oldest combined age of any postseason matchup. That that is nuts. That is really hard to believe. And that's I know before we started recording, we were talking about that. That's an underrated storyline in this series. You got a little bit of a rivalry, a personal vendetta between the two. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, actually, LaRusa was Dusty Baker's one of his first managers. And so then obviously some drama as they both coached some uh, NL Central teams in the past, you know, 10, 15 years. And now here we are, both maybe out of their prime, but still coaching good teams. And yeah, in the playoffs when the, the tensions get high, I'm interested to see if anything boils over. And of course, these two teams played each other in the 2005 World Series. We all know what happened then. Uh, so that's another fun dynamic there. So that's that series is going to be a lot of fun. I've got the White Sox. Lucas has the White Sox. Moving over to the other side of the ALDS, Tampa Bay and Boston. Or excuse me, Tampa Bay and New York. We both picked New York there. Flat out, I've got Tampa, man. I mean, it's just one of those things where they were consistently able to beat New York, regardless of whether it was before the trade deadline or after the trade deadline. Tampa found a way to get it done until today, uh, of course, when, you know, they could have made things fun by beating the Yankees, but I guess they decided not to. But Tampa's pitching has been solid all year round. Randy Rosarina in the lineup, they've been hitting. So I like the race chances here. I'm going to go with the race. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think the the most important part about what you said is that they've just always beat the Yankees this year. They've Every single time that they've matched up against each other, uh, the Rays have been the better team. I don't see any reason why that changes come postseason. Um, yeah, they're just deep. They've got that Tampa Bay factor that just you – know, they're all like I – don't, I don't really know. They're all, they've all got that, like, leadership or something that makes them play above what they really are. It's like, you know, the saying goes, uh, their sum is greater than – I have no idea what the saying is now that I'm halfway the through The whole it. is greater than the sum of their parts, I think is the, the phrase. That's why we pay you the big bucks, Larry. But exactly. That's the the team that, you know, we're talking about there because, you know, Tampa, they don't have any superstars. I wouldn't say Randy Rosarena is great. Um, They've got a lot of really good players, but and they're well coached. They're well managed. Um, They just find a ways to win. And against the Yankees, I think that's important. They've got the home field advantage as well. Um, And if they can get some, you know, fan support, that's kind of the one thing that they've always struggled with. But I'm sure in the postseason they'll uh, they'll fill out. So that'll be huge having that home field advantage. And, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think they're going to take the series. I'll be rooting for them hard, especially if they play New York. You know, if they play Boston, you know, I could handle Boston advancing, but probably not the Yankees. <laughs> so go race, that said. So our ALCS is Chicago and Tampa Bay. Seven-game series. Who you got between those two? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to say anything, honestly. You want to so badly say that the White Sox are going to win because, of course, I'm a big Sox fan. Of course, I want to say that my team is better, but it's not the reality of the situation. I think that, you know, Tampa's just a great team. Um, oh, man, in a seven-game series, though, a lot of things can happen, Larry. I like the White Sox chances. I would never count them out. I think um, a big part of that would be Carlos Rodon coming back. If he can pitch that series and we can extend our rotation, uh, you know, actually get four or five guys going and giving quality starts. I guess it wouldn't be five guys giving starts, but, you know, get that rotation filled out with our, our true aces. 
you know, Rodon had a great year this year, and that's one of those guys where if you can get him two stars in a series, then that's something that can, you know, change the outlook of it all. So um, that'll be huge, but I just can't confidently say that the White Sox would beat the Rays. Um, you know, the White Sox haven't been great on the road. Uh, not a lot of teams are great in Tropicana. Um, and that home field advantage just sucks not having. Tampa's been the best team in the, in the American League all year. So uh, as much as I want to say the White Sox will win, I can't confidently say that. <clears throat> I have a lot more confidence that Tampa will come out of that in seven games, to be honest. Yeah, frankly, I've got to agree. Just I, I think back to that stretch of games that we talked about with the White Sox earlier this year about how I, I think it was a six-game road swing against Toronto and Tampa Bay. And they just played so poorly in Tampa Bay. I don't know. I don't think they got swept. I think they took two or three or they lost two of three and one game, Tim Anderson hit a huge clutch home run. And it's so hard to get the job done on the road against Tampa Bay. And obviously the Tropicana field presents its issues, but also you got that roof on the stadium. You got that dome atmosphere. Dudes are hooting and hollering. It's going to get real loud. Um, I think the one question with Tampa maybe is, kind of their lack of a, a true ace, right? Yeah. I mean, is Michael Walker your best pitcher? I don't know. That's It's an honest question. Uh, Ryan Yarborough, 5'11 ERA. I don't know about that one. Um, Tyler Glasnow on the 60-day DL, not great. So I think if the White Sox were to run into Tampa Bay, I, I think that would be the one spot where the White Sox – surprisingly would have an advantage is against them in the pitching category things. But I mean, those, those two teams could go punch for punch in terms of lineup. So I don't know for the sake of parody, I'll go with the white Sox. You know what? Screw it. Based based on the pitching rotation, I'm going to go with the white Sox. I think if their pitching gets the job done against the Astros, they can do it against the race. Um, And obviously that, that kind of sounds stupid to depend one round of, of picks on the previous rounds picks, <laughs> but, but you know, I've got the white Sox. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point that you bring up because you know, the Rays. we always talk about how deep they are, how deep their systems always been, but you look at them, they're kind of in a weird spot right now that that glass now injury put them in. It's like you mentioned, they don't have that ACE. He was that ACE coming into the year. Um, unfortunately I had to have Tommy John still think it's kind of funny that he blames it on the, the, sticky stuff but you know he was a great pitcher absolutely he's got some of the best stuff in the league um and so they're kind of in this weird spot where they had snell last year they had glass now pitching last year you know these guys were aces you know really good playoff starters um now they have this young talent that's coming up but they don't quite have the experience that you know snell at least you know he had won a cy young before he had that playoff run so um, you know, at least a veteran type guy that they don't really have right now. Obviously, Waka has been in the league for a while, but he's not really an ace, like you said. Um, and so they have a lot of really good pitchers. Of course, they've always had one of the best bullpens in the league for like the last, you know, five years. It seems like they have the most deep bullpen of any team. Um, so they have that. But I think the White Sox can equally have that as well. Like you said, you know, they 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 can go shot for shot. So, yeah, I think if anything, it is going to come down to that starting pitching. Um, which seemingly it always does. But, yeah, it's going to be a great great matchup if it comes to it. Pitching and defense wins championships. So for the sake of parity, you got the Rays, I got the White Sox. How ironic. 
Um, <laughs> let's stop there. National League now. Go to the wild card game on Wednesday. The ever intriguing Los Angeles Dodgers and the even more intriguing St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright, Max Scherzer. On paper, there you think Max Scherzer, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, it's it's tough to to go against either one of the teams right now. It's like you're not really picking one to lose. You're definitely just picking the team who's gonna play their best that day and. You know, Scherzer hasn't looked hot his last few starts. Uh, he was kind of looking like the runaway Cy Young. Then he had a few bad outings. Honestly, he looked pretty bad against Colorado. Not one of the teams you want to look bad against before the postseason. Um, and obviously, we all know St. Louis has just hit everyone. All of their their starters are clicking. Everyone's hitting in that lineup, one to nine, one to eight. Shout out to the worst league in major – or the worst rule in Major League Baseball. Um, but, yeah, so – I don't know. I think the Dodgers, obviously, they have that lineup that everyone's a star, it seems like. Um, but Scherzer just hasn't gone out there and performed uh, these last few starts. You know, he's got all the experience that you would want. Um, he's been one of the best pitchers in the league for the last 10 years. So it's hard to bet against him. And when you got a lineup like the Dodgers do uh, behind that, I think the Dodgers are going to win that game. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just, I can't pick against the Cardinals here. On paper, the Dodgers are the better team, right? 100%. They've got home field advantage. They've got perhaps the National League Cy Young winner going on the mound. But on the other side of things, you've got the Cardinals mix of experience. Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, superstars, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. I got to take the Cardinals. I got to let this thing ride, right? The devil magic thing that I've been predicting for a while. I don't know. I'm going to let it ride. I've got the Cardinals here, and I'm going to be really frustrated watching that game and watching the Cardinals beat the Dodgers, but I just got a sinking feeling that it's going to happen. Yeah, no, this is what playoff baseball is all about, though, because you look at a team like the 2019 Nationals, I I think of, that's awful to start off the year, and then they just get hot. They're a better team than what they look like. You know, it's just – they have what it takes to win games. You know, on paper, a lot of teams we've talked about being good and they just don't perform. The Padres, yeah, on paper, they're good. They didn't perform. And the the Cardinals, you know, on paper, even coming into the year, everyone knew they were good. You still have to have the talent, but they're winning games that, you know, at a historic rate. I mean, some crazy win streaks. Um, it's hard to say that they could, you know, lose the game, but the Dodgers just have that deep lineup, that deep pitching. Um, they've been one of the best teams in the league. So maybe it's just weird to think that the Dodgers wouldn't be in the playoffs. And that's why I want to say that, you know, of course they're going to win. They're the Dodgers. They, they do it every year. But this is the type of matchup that, you know, I can definitely see the Cardinals winning it. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know. That's, that's the beauty of the one-game playoff, right? Yeah. Anything can happen. Anybody can beat anybody in one game. So especially with Adam Wainwright, who has done it before. Right. He's and obviously he's old, but he's had a really, really good season and pitched very, very well, especially down the stretch as a big part of that long winning streak, 17 games franchise record. So I've got the Cardinals for that reason. You got the Dodgers moving on to the DS in the NL Brewers and Braves. I, without a doubt, I'm going Brewers. Okay, I think I'm going to have to disagree. 
I like the Brewers a lot. I've liked them all year. I, I mean, one of the most underrated teams, but so is Atlanta. I think the Brewers have the better pitching. Um, I think they have the better starting pitching for sure, but I just don't think that, you know, their bats are really going to have to perform. I mean, there's that lineup isn't the best. It's, you know, one of the weakest in, in the playoffs, I will say. And um, I can just see that lineup going out there and putting up one or two runs a game, and it's just not going to cut it. I mean, Atlanta's been playing so hot. Their lineup is so good. I mean, Austin Riley, uh, Jorge Soler, everyone on that lineup can just hit nukes. So, you know, I think that they're they're kind of playing with the chip since they lost to Cunha. They're not the team that they, you know, pictured they would be, but they're the team that they are now, and they're winning games. And uh, Milwaukee's good, but – you know, they didn't play well against St. Louis, obviously, when they were on that 17-game winning streak. They did end up snapping it, but it's just I – th- I think they can fizz out easily, and I think that Atlanta's – you know, they've been playing really well lately. So I think I'm going to give that to uh, Atlanta there. I don't mind the pick because you're kind of riding the hot hand, right, because the Braves really heated up down the stretch. You mentioned it with their bats. They made a lot of good moves at the deadline. We talked about it, I think, on the first episode. as kind of like an under-the-radar – deadline team was Atlanta you know they did a lot with very little they traded for Solaire kind of revamped their outfield and it worked so I I respect the Braves for that but if it comes down to pitching against bats I mean I got to go with the pitching I mean the Brewers pitching has been so so consistent all year long Brandon Woodruff Corbin Burns Freddie Peralta all those guys have looked good so good all year long and it's consistency. You know, sure, they've had a bad start here and there, but I have I would have a really hard time picking against those guys, especially in a five-game series. It's a little shorter. Um, and sure, you don't have one of your best bullpen arms because he was an idiot and yeah. punched a wall. Uh, that, that hurts. That definitely hurts the Brewers. Um, but it's only one guy. You still got Josh Hader at the back end. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to pick against this Brewers team. I, Your concerns are valid with the bats, especially considering that Yelich has had kind of a down year. Uh, he's not playing to that elite MVP level anymore. But I don't know. They, they've seemed to step up and have timely hitting when they need it. Uh, I, I think their walk-off grand slam is one of those moments that kind of encapsulates that. And – Again, Miller Park is a really, really tough place to play in the postseason. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, a super fun place to just watch a baseball game. Honestly, they've got some of the best fans. Um, and I think, honestly, they probably have the four best pitchers in the matchup, uh, even with Devin Williams. He would have been number five between the two teams. I just think they're they're so good. Uh, Lane's got Charlie Morton. He's been great in the postseason. But, you know, also that's only one guy. So you can't just ride uh, the bats every single game. And like you said, you know, it is a five-game series. So generally speaking, the better team wins. But I don't know. I think it'll be a good series, of course. And I just think Atlanta's got the the hot bats to come out on top. I respect the pick. I really do. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So I've got the Braves losing to the Brewers. You've got the Braves moving on. Uh, other half of the DS in the NL. You've got San Francisco, L.A. I've got San Francisco and St. Louis. For me, that's kind of an easy pick. I think the devil magic runs out. San Francisco has continued to win all year, and for once, I'm going to pick them to keep winning. I mean, just the veteran experience that team has. 
that's going to be the X factor in this playoffs. They've got a lot of those guys who are part of the core that won the three World Series runs that they had, and then you toss in Chris Bryant, and that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, like you said, we have different matchups, but um, we're going to go with the same result because I think the Giants are going to be the Dodgers as well. Um, it just seems like their season. I said it about the 2018 Red Sox. I just thought they – I don't know why that uh, – example in particular always sticks out to me but it just seems like you watch their games and they've got what it takes to win the games that you know your team doesn't always go out there and perform but you still find ways to win obviously the the Dodgers are the Dodgers they've got all the talent in the world and they've got every bit of that uh, capability of winning those tough games but the Giants you know they earned the home field advantage that's huge I mean one game but one game that means a lot so um, their pitching has been great Kevin Gosman's great uh, Logan Webb been one of the most underrated pitchers in the second half. Um, and it's not a team that the the Dodgers want to play, you know. Um, they've Every single time they've gone against each other, it's been great matchups. It's not a type of uh, matchup you really see uh, quite often and when you have the two best teams playing against each other so often. So, um, of course, they don't have a choice but to play them, but I think that the Giants, it's just, the, it's their year. They're, they're going to win that, uh, that series. They earned it. Yeah. To use a very overused term, they've got a major team of destiny vibe. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the Dodgers guy. go out and they shell out all this cash in the offseason. They make all these huge moves. But the Giants somehow just stave them off. They keep on winning this team that was supposed to win 70 some games. Um, I think Mike Kruko said it on the air today. He had a great quote. He said, yeah, for a team that was picked to win 70 games, they did, but that was two months ago. So <laughs> they proved everybody wrong, and now at this point, everybody kind of expects them to keep on playing. So I'll expect them to keep on playing. I've got them going to the CS. Um, so for the CS, for me, it's Brewers-Giants. For you, it's Braves-Giants. Who you got going to the series? Yeah, I think um, can't, I won't speak for you, but I think we might have a similar decision here too. Uh, I think the Giants are going to be in the World Series. I think they're going to beat the Braves. Um, you know, the Braves get the benefit of not having to play that wild card game, so they're just you know in the DS already. I think they've got the more favorable matchup. Obviously, not having to play either the Dodgers or the Cardinals. I'd rather play the Brewers than both of those teams. Um, so I think that they're kind of, you know, even if it is Milwaukee who gets in there, I just don't think that they're the team of the caliber that the Giants are. Um, obviously, the Giants are the number one overall seed. They're going to have that home field again uh, in the CS. And again, I just think they, like you said, got that team of destiny. They're the Giants, too. They're in it. Like, it just seems so like it's been so long since they've been in the World Series. So they're kind of due for it. Um, and I think, you know, whatever matchup they get, They've been the best team all year, and um, I expect them to win. I think it's now time to for them to prove us all right. Yeah, 100%. But it's not an even year. so That's true. That's true. 2021. I, I don't know. I think it'll work out for them. Uh, they're very good, uh, needless to say. And those bats, I think they would be enough to overcome the Brewers should they match up with the Brewers. I will say this. Um, since you know we think we're a bunch of geniuses and our predictions are, are spot on, they're probably going to be wrong. I will say whoever comes out of that right side, top half of the bracket, whatever you want to call it, speaking like March Madness terms here, 
So either St. Louis, LA, or San Francisco, I think one of those teams is going to be in the World Series. I don't think it's going to be Atlanta or Milwaukee. Um, if the Cardinals find a way to beat the Dodgers and then beat the Giants, there's no way they lose to either Milwaukee yeah. or Atlanta. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I think if LA gets past San Francisco, they're undoubtedly the team to beat. I just don't see Atlanta or Milwaukee overcoming what the Dodgers have. I still think on paper that they're the best team in the national league, but again, that's not what the playoffs are about. A lot of the time, who's the best team on paper, all that kind of goes out the window. Um, so I've got the giants advancing to the world series over Milwaukee in my bracket. Um, like you said, major team of destiny. They've gotten the job done all year. They just keep on winning. So for me, my world series, San Francisco, Chicago for you, San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's, I mean, good matchup no matter what, but I think the two teams are kind of comparable too, because you always have that question if the Rays are going to play above what they look like on paper. Um, and every year, you know, the past few years, at least they have, uh, they made it to the world series already. Uh, the Giants, you know, this year, they're doing exactly that. They're playing better than what you think you have on paper. Um, so they're similar there. And I just think the Giants, um, they're the better team. So I think the Rays, unfortunately, are going to go two years in a row while uh, making it to the World Series and just coming up short. They're a really good team, but I just don't think that they have a star. And maybe that's naive of me to think that a team can't win without having a superstar player. Um and I guess maybe you can even make that same argument for San Francisco. They've got a lot of really good players and really good veterans. Um, and maybe Tampa doesn't have that quite veteran experience. Chris Bryant's not a star. Well, he's uh, he's kind of more of a utility guy. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on now. Yeah, How about that? There's a lot better talent in the rest of the – I mean, honestly, at all the other teams. So, I think um, – well – Obviously not a lot better talent. These are the two best teams, but um, individually wise, I think that there's more superstar type players. Um, so in a battle like that, I just think that the Giants are going to come out on top. They've got better starting pitching. They've got, um, you know, the bullpen's good enough. We'll see. I guess maybe that's a tough argument to lean on uh, in the postseason and in the World Series, especially saying that it's just good enough. But I mean, those bats, you can't sell those short. I mean, they're putting up, you know, six, eight runs every single game, it seems like. And when you have the pitching that you have good starting rotation on the back end, too, that bullpen, uh, their closer, I forget his name, Doe Ball, um, but he's been great, throws gas, and it just lights out. So I think they've just got the better pitching. A similar team, of course, and I think obviously that can go either way, but um, I just think the Giants are the better team. I think they're the best team in, in the playoffs this year. I think the Dodgers are the best team in the playoffs this year, but I think the Giants have what it takes to win. You know, I'm not I'm not going to step down from that the whole Dodgers pedestal thing because they have gone all in. They went out and got the best pitcher in the National League and Trey Turner, an MVP candidate, on top of what they already have. Um, so they're just absolutely stacked. But White Sox, Giants, World Series, I mean, I, if that played out, I hate to say it. I could see it ending in as quick as five games. Yeah. I mean, especially based on the consistency that the Giants have had all year, that is exactly what the White Sox have not had. And if you give me those two pitching staffs head to head, I'm taking San Francisco is probably like four out of five times because you just don't really know who you're going to get for the White Sox on any given day. 
right? You could get Giolito on a good start. You could get him on a bad day. You could get Cease on a good day. You could get Cease on a bad day. Is Lance Lynn going to pull a hammy in that October cold and that late November cold in Chicago? I don't know. It could definitely happen. Uh, so it's hard to predict those things, but I've got San Francisco. I, I just think they, again, I'll say it for the third time in a row for our rounds of predictions, team of destiny. It's hard for me to pick against them right now. Yeah. And I would, I would love the situation to be, you know, San Francisco White Sox. Obviously I, I'd love to see that. And I think uh, just what it comes down to for me is I think that the White Sox would really have to show up every single day. They wouldn't be able to take a day off with those bats. You know, they'd have to put up five runs minimum every single game um, because that's what San Francisco is going to do. I, you know, that lineup just shows up every single day. Everything, every single spot in that lineup can hit. So um, if the White Sox really took their foot off the gas at all, I think San Francisco is so good that um, if they're even playing from behind, you know, especially if they go down one game, it's just how could the White Sox, you know, make up the ground that the Dodgers going to make in the regular season, um, you know, in a seven game series. Yeah. And I will say with these picks, most of the time I'm partial to pitching in October because as the weather gets colder, the ball travels shorter distances and it's just harder to hit in October. And you think of, you know, big performances and postseason heroes from the last like 10 years. Most of them are pitchers, at least in my eyes. I mean, Madison Bumgarner is, is the foremost example of that uh, and a lot of other examples throughout history. But of course, you've got guys that step up and, and have crazy postseasons. Randy Rosarena last year for Tampa Bay. Maybe he goes on another streak like that for the Rays. But yeah, I don't know. I think teams with strong pitching tend to win out in October. And I think the Giants have had the most consistent pitching staff. And I also think the Dodgers have what it takes to win the World Series in terms of the pitching staff. Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, Julio Arias, uh, and a solid bullpen, among others. Uh, I think they could also get the job done. So if the Giants don't do it for me, I think the Dodgers, and then if the Dodgers get beaten in the wild card game and St. Louis somehow sneaks into the CS, I think they can go on to win the pennant at least. So I'm really excited, especially for the National League side of the bracket. A little less excited about the American League side of the bracket outside of that White Sox series just because you kind of got the usual suspects. Um, Houston, Tampa Bay, New York, Boston. Eh. But, yeah, kind of bleh. But on the National League side, a little more intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll, I'll watch every single pitch that I can uh, of every single game. But yeah, especially being a White Sox fan, I think I'm a little nervous too. It's it's a nervous excitement because, you know, I don't know how I feel if they just go out there and shit the bed. And that's all that'll always be on the back of my mind until, you know, I see them win a playoff series because I haven't in my baseball, you know, fandom timeline. I just haven't been able to see a good White Sox baseball. So um, it'll be nervous definitely watching those games. But Obviously, I'm going to be excited for that. And I think you nailed it earlier when you said whoever comes out of that that right side of that bracket in the NL, um, that's going to be the team to beat. It's not very often that you see, um, you know, the number one seed and then the two wild cards being um, probably the best teams in the bracket. Um, that's the situation where we're in. And unfortunately, you know, you can't just pick and choose the best teams to advance. They've got to go through the, the you know, the bracket that they put them in, unfortunately. So. Uh, it's good baseball, and that's all I'm happy for, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I kind of miss that feeling of, of that nervous energy, you know, going into the playoffs because that's a lot of fun, you know, just kind of have your emotions live and die with the baseball team for a whole month of the year. It, it's kind of enjoyable. Yeah, I saw some of that emotion uh, in Treehaven, Larry. You might oh, God. That's a oh, it was only a matter of time before that got brought <laughs> up on this podcast. Oh, my God. Dick Baller, John Lackey, if you're watching, if you're listening. God, that was, that was tough. I I still hold on. So I'm trying to remember this situation. It was traumatic. So it's, it's kind of blacked out in my brain. Did Joe Madden bring in John Lackey from the bullpen? Yes. And then you pulled, I want to say it was Hendricks way too early. And then that's classic John, John Madden. Yeah. Joe Madden. John Madden. John Madden football. (laughs) John Madden. <laughs> yeah, it was a double loss because Hend- I think it was Hendricks, but he was pitching great, and just I think he got two runners on, and they just pulled pulled the string too early. And um, yeah, and I, I knew it was coming, Madden. Lucas. I did. I knew exactly. it was coming. Yeah, that was that nervous energy. You knew it was coming. You know, you're playing. Well, and I was I was also talking talking a big game against Justin Turner. I remember yeah. saying, <laughs> "Who has Taylor Swift as their walk up song?" <laughs> and then he he took Lackey deep. And so that kind of goes to show you. I don't know. So it's Dodgers, man. Maybe T Swift was the move. There's the devil magic. Maybe I should have used T Swift as the high school walk up song. Your career trajectory would have just (laughs) (laughs) stopped rising. (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's talk uh, the awards now, I guess, because, you know, the postseason, it's coming. It's its own thing, but the regular season did come to an end. So unfortunately, we kind of got to recap that. Uh, And a lot of these awards, I think it kind of it's interesting that a lot of these players that we're talking about winning, say the MVP on both leagues, going to be on teams that aren't even in the playoffs. So a few individual huge performances uh, in 2021. Uh, And unfortunately, a lot of these players you'd love to see in the postseason. I mean, who doesn't want Tatis back, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, these types of guys um, in the playoffs. I mean, Shohei Otani in the playoffs, hitting a home run after striking out 10. That's what's going to get people watching. But, you know, definitely time to celebrate the great seasons that, that they did have. Um, Larry, let's start with the NL MVP, I guess. Uh, definitely a huge, huge race. And honestly, anyone's game, I guess. Three people, three-headed race to this point, um, maybe. But who do you think comes out? I mean, for me, it's hard to say. I think the guy who has gotten it done the most consistently – when you consider everything, I, I think is Bryce Harper. Um, in terms of the slash line stats, I mean, third in batting average, second on base percentage, second in slugging. Uh, he had that career resurgence. People were ragging on the Phillies for making that move for Bryce Harper. And he kind of proved everybody wrong. And he really kept the Phillies around in that race for a pretty long time. So, he proved to be an extremely extremely valuable piece. And then if you look at the other two MVP candidates, in my opinion, Juan Soto, really good, and Fernando Tatis. Well, Tatis was a defensive liability for a lot of the time in the season. Sure, he was electric. Sure, he was a lot of fun to watch. And sure, I do think he's an MVP caliber player. And then Juan Soto it really sucks because I was talking about it with somebody the other day. I don't think I sat down and watched one of Juan Soto's at bats live this year, because that's how bad the nationals were. You just, 
did not watch the Nationals. If you were a baseball fan who obviously wasn't a Nationals fan or if you aren't an NL East fan, I did not watch any of Juan Soto. I watched a little bit of Bryce Harper. Um, I don't know. I've, I've got Harper. Yeah, no, I think there's no wrong answer. And I think they're kind of all in a similar boat where you can't really say that any of them got their team to the playoff. I think um, that's something you can kind of say gives them some people an edge over others when, you know, you have comparable stat lines and whatnot. You can say, well, this guy, you know, he's on a better team. He got his team to the playoffs. That guy will generally get the MVP over the other in that situation. But you can't really say that for any of them. Um, None of them really played. Uh, MVP level defense, I would say. Obviously, we talk about Tatis a lot. Harper's probably the best of the three, I would say. Plays a good right field, got a great arm, um, but still not elite defense by any means. Uh, and Soto's never been a great defender. Um, the advanced metrics, of course, will get him because he's slow, doesn't have the best breaks, but, um, you know, not bad enough to say that I wouldn't give him the MVP. And honestly, he's my choice. I think he's the best player. In the NL, he's probably my favorite player in the NL. Um, the best hitter I've seen. I mean, he's he's got such a professional approach. Um, super young too. I mean, all of these guys. Well, not Harper, but Soto, Tatis. You know, we'll talk Vlad too. These young hitters, and this guy just plays like he's been a professional. You know, for the past twenty years already. Uh, he's got he's leading and on base percentage over Bryce. He's got more RBIs. Um, if you want to, you know, give any value to that, he's got more at bats too, and a higher WAR on Baseball Reference than the other two candidates. Um, the highest OPS plus. I think that you know, given the fact that, um, oh, actually, sorry, Bryce Harper has one higher. It's 178 to 177 on the OPS plus. But um, given the fact that you know, none of them had that that little extra thing, that great defense or that playoff team that that gives them that um, benefit. Uh, I'm going to have to give that to Juan Soto. That's fair enough. And I, I like you made a great point about Soto being just such a professional hitter. I mean, that's one thing that you notice kind of from the jump about that guy. As soon as he got up to the big leagues, I mean, he put together pro at bats. I mean, as soon as he got to the big leagues, which is not something you see from young players that just get to the major leagues because a lot of the times they struggle, chase those breaking balls outside of the zone. And Soto, you really – you can't do that with because he's not going to chase. You know, he draws so many walks. He gets on base so well. So it would not surprise me, and I think it would be deserving if Soto got the MVP. My pick is is Harper. Um, just, I don't know. I, I don't know. In terms of voters, I think this is something that's going to come down to voters. If I had a vote, it would be between Harper and Soto. But if you look at – in terms of markets, I think Philly's a bigger city. Yeah. And maybe Harper wins that because of that. I don't know. It's yeah. just baseball writer politics stuff at that point. No, it's a, it's a good point, though, because I think if I'm in this situation, I'd, of course, give my vote to Soto, but I think Harper's going to walk away with it. He did give his team, you know, some competitiveness. And in that Nationals team, like you said, it's really bad. I mean, the only other two good players on his team got traded away. Of course, they got some good prospects in return, but he's playing on a team that, like you said, nobody even wants to watch. So it's hard to say that, you know, that's the most valuable player when their team is is just not good enough to really be able to, you know, warrant to say that. Um, but, you know, I still think, you know, he had the best season. So that's where my vote will go. And I, yeah, I'd have to agree with you that Bryce Harper is taking it home. 
Um, let's move to the AL though, where maybe a little bit less of a discussion. We've had a lot of great individual performances, um, but my MVP and the MVP in the eyes of a lot of guys, uh, Shohei Otani. I agree. I don't think there's much discussion to be had there. I think Vlad Jr. had a great season. Um, really, really good bat and somebody who's lived up to the hype as a big name prospect, big name prospect to say the least, because his name is Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, come on. Um, he was a lot of fun to watch this year, but Shohei Otani was, it was the Shohei Otani show all year long. Everybody hyping this dude up and he just did not slow down. He's doing something that really has not been done effectively since Babe Ruth and much better than Babe Ruth ever did it. Right. I mean, just smashing home runs, going out there every five days and being an effective pitcher. But I mean, for me, I don't want to say that his bat would be enough to win it. Uh, by itself, but it's pretty close. I mean, if you take the pitching side out of it, he's still one of the best hitters in the league, second in slugging percentage, second in OPS, um, not up there in batting average by any means, but overall wins above replacement. He leads the league with nine in the American League. So that's that's an easy choice for me in Shohei Otani. Not that he's a Cy Young candidate or anything, but Again, a productive starter who goes out there and, and gives the Angels a chance to win every five days. Yeah, no, there's so many things about Shohei that, I mean, I, I just think if you made one person for a certain award, Shohei Otani in this season in particular, I mean, this is about as much value that you can bring to a team as possible. I mean, obviously, we've never seen someone pitch this well that also hits. You know, you see the pitchers that, our pitchers and you know every once in a while they'll have a 200 batting season and they say you know he's a really good hitting pitcher but you know the ability to play every single game in the field whether it's outfield um, whether he's pitching that day whether he's DHing um, he's out there every single day in the lineup leading off adding so much value with that bat 46 home runs is an insane number 100 RBIs I mean a, a milestone that of course just adds to the the season that he's having um, I mean he could have tossed a a four ERA with, you know, 70 innings. And I still think he would have gotten the MVP off of that um, just because of the amount of value that he's adding. You know, you can't say that anyone is adding more value to your team than Shohei Otani is. Um, and, you know, he's the definition of the MVP this year. Yeah, 100% I agree. It's just a tailor-made, match-made in heaven, right? I mean, dude goes yeah. out there and shoves and just can rake. So, Easy choice there. Shohei Otani better be the MVP, and he will be. I don't think there's much doubt. I think some people will vote for Vlad. But the thing there, if you want to talk more voting politics, is, okay, who's the runner-up to Vlad? Well, probably Shohei Otani. And so whoever votes for Vlad is probably going to vote for Otani second. Okay, so you get more points, and he's, he's going to run away with it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, the final count and see, you know, if it's like a huge blow where he gets every single first place vote, you know, because we obviously haven't seen that. So I'm interested to see if, you know, the writers put as much value into the season that he's having as, you know, we all expect and we hope to see. Um, I think it'd kind of be a crime to actually go Vlad or anyone else for first place. And you know, baseball writers are notorious for just kind of adding too much of their own personal emotion or opinion into um, the voting or, you know, whatever it may be. So I think it would be, like I said, a crime for anyone to not vote for Shohei. You know, although obviously there were some great uh, individual seasons, just not more valuable than his. Completely agree. 
how about the pitching side of things? Why don't we stick with the American League, where I think things are probably a little more intriguing in, in terms of the pitching, right? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, no real runaway guy, I guess. A lot of people had their ups and downs. Robbie Ray for a while looked like he was going to run away with it. Garrett Cole at time has been, you know, the best pitcher. Um, and that's who my vote's going to. I think it's going to be Garrett Cole. Um, I think he's going to win the award because, I, you know, he's a Yankee. He's on the better team. They made the playoffs. While it shouldn't matter, I think it will. Um, his strikeout numbers, uh, the ERA, I think he got, was really close to um, – to uh, Robbie Ray, and I think that'll play a big part of it. Actually, want to get the exact numbers here. So Gary Cole had a three-two-three ERA to Robbie Ray's two-eight-four. Two, eight, so actually, wow, when you look at it that way, Robbie Ray had <laughs> much. Oh, yeah. Maybe I was just ill-advised um, because that's a huge difference, and I think ERA is probably the number one um, thing that determines the best pitcher. Probably the number one thing that I think should. You just think about it. It's the, the runs that your pitches accounted for, you know, taking out errors at least. Maybe you could argue FIP is a better metric, but um, that seemingly is what dictates, you know, to Cy Young in recent years, I guess. And so I was wrong a few seconds ago. I think this is going to go to Robbie Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, a 180 in the, in the middle of the discussion. Reality check. You know, I mean, honestly, Robbie Ray, like you said, I mean, he, outside of Vlad, was one of those, those guys who really propelled the Blue Jays back into that AL East race after they kind of had that lull in the middle of August, towards the end of August, and they turned it on. Robbie Ray was pretty darn consistent all year long. I mean, led the league in war for pitchers, if you want to get into more of the advanced metrics, first in ERA, so – Got a little bit of something for everybody, you know, new age, old age, ERA, war, all that stuff. My vote goes to Ray as well. I think Garrett Cole has a really good chance to win because, like you said, he plays in New York. He plays on a playoff team. But I think Robbie Ray is going to get a lot of votes. I think it's going to be pretty darn close. Uh, Cole has played deserving of a Cy Young. He's pitched very well all year, and he's been that guy. He's been that ace. He's definitely a guy that you would not want to face in a wild card game like the Red Sox have to on Tuesday. So I could see it going either way, but I'd vote for Ray. Yeah, I think uh, I was maybe just a little misguided because I just think that Gary Cole is the better pitcher, you know, uh, in initial reaction, I guess. Is in the that grand scheme of better. things. Right. He's the better player. Um, so I guess I would have just thought that. But, you know, the season that Robbie Ray is having is just, underrated every step of the way he's looked really good against my white Sox too i was actually at a game he started struck out 14 white Sox. so um yeah super yeah, underrated. it's not too bad yeah <laughs> not too bad not too shabby oh boy well how about the national league i'd say that the national league things are a little less cut and dry i mean you've got a few guys that could win i mean corbin burns has looked pretty darn good for milwaukee but then you got max scherzer walker bueller Scherzer's teammate in LA also having a great year. So who's your guy? Yeah, there were a lot of people throughout the year who um, were just kind of tossed in. Of course, in the beginning of the year, DeGrom was looking great. If he would have stayed healthy and stayed on that track, he would have had uh, an amazing season and walked away with it. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, same for Zach Wheeler. He got really hot and 
for a little bit. He looked like he was going to walk away with it. You got a guy like uh, Julio Arias, who's the only 20-game winner uh, in the past five years in the NL. So um, if you're 95 years old, you can take that into consideration. But uh, I think this is going to go to Max Scherzer. Uh, he leads the league in ERA in the NL. Um, he's Or no, I'm sorry, he's .03 behind Corbin Burns in ERA. But that's with two more starts, uh, about 13 more innings pitched. Uh, so no 180 here? No, no 180. This is sticking with Max Scherzer. I promise you, Max. Um, got the lower whip, which is, uh, you know, great stat, I think, in determining as well on, of ERA. So they're super close there. Uh, it's actually like a .8 difference in whip, though. So I think the difference in ERA, and especially with the innings uh, and games started, uh, advantage going to Max Scherzer, a .864 whip. That's insane. Um it's going to be him taking on the hardware. I would have to go with Max Scherzer as well. I wouldn't exactly say it's a no-brainer because Burns has been very, very good, and there have been yeah. a lot of good pitchers throughout the league uh, in the National League all year long. But, I mean, Scherzer is the guy, and he's been that guy for so long. And, obviously, Cy Young only considers right now. Um, but, I mean, you think over the last 10 years – Who's the guy that you would not want to face or have your team face in the playoffs? It's Max Scherzer or heck in the regular season when it's a rubber match of a series in, in September or August, it's Max Scherzer. Um, he's been that good and that dominant despite, you know, he's starting to get up there, probably coming to the tail end of his prime, but he's pitching like he's still in his prime. I mean, 37 years old. I feel like people don't think that Max Scherzer's that old just because he's pitched so, so well. Yeah, another when you talk about that, it actually, you know, reminds me of his ex Detroit Tiger teammate, Justin Verlander, another guy who's just aged like fine wine. Uh, Verlander's, you know, throwing 100 still, obviously hurt this year, but when he was playing last year, looking better than he ever had. Um, and Scherzer, exactly. I mean, just one of the best pitchers of my lifetime, always has been. Um, and I think, you know, a Cy Young at 37, that's crazy to think about. I mean, there's just so much talent in baseball right now, so much pitching talent, too. Um, and yet he put out a better season than any one of these guys, I think. And I think, um, you know, that's crazy to think about. There's so many good pitchers, and yet Scherzer's still playing like he's in his prime. Definitely. And I, I've got a lot of respect for that. And that's why, I don't know, going back to the bracket thing, geez, it's going to be tough for the Cardinals to beat Max Scherzer. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going back on my pick now. No 180. No 180. It's not happening. I got to stick with it now. We're in too far. Or 120 minutes, not 120 minutes, but an hour and 20 minutes into this podcast, Lucas. So I can't go back too far in. Yeah, I had a five-second rule applied for me, so so don't worry about that. I think that's fair. I would I have. chastise you too much. <laughs> is, that up? is that it? Are we at the end? I think we've talked about just about as much baseball as we can today. Yeah, I, I think my brain is is tired and it's ready to watch some uh, some playoff baseball. Yeah, I'm very excited for our next conversation, too, because it'll be after watching a lot of really good playoff baseball that as a White Sox fan, I just haven't been invested in a season, haven't been invested in a, in a team like this in a long time. And, you know, I still find myself uh, going back to watch 2017 World Series games, full games, just because of the I just love it all. I mean, just there's nothing like playoff baseball. Um, It'll have my full attention this week and the rest of the month. Uh, and I'm super excited to, you know, 
have some emotional weight in this for once. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll I'll have a little bit of emotional weight on the White Sox, but outside of that, it'll be nice to just sit back and, and kind of relax and, and watch those big games. Because like you said, nothing like October. October is my favorite month for a lot of reasons. In that fall weather, you know, leaves start to turn. You get those 60-degree days. You think it's time for playoff baseball. And I'm disappointed that the Cubs aren't playing in it, sure. But you know what? I'm all in. All in on the White Sox, and hopefully we see some really, really fun action in the National League. Yeah, and, you know, to to the listeners of the podcast, if you just find yourself, you know, watching a baseball game every now and then or only watching your favorite team, I really feel like, you know, postseason baseball is just something you can't miss out on. If you if you like the game in any aspect, it's, it's just completely different um, watching a postseason game, and I just can't wait for this week. Yeah, I mean, it's must-see. Right. I mean, how often do you say, OK, this is must see baseball and a 162 game season, which, in my opinion, is part of the beauty of baseball. Right. It's that everyday grind. But you rarely have events or big matchups where it's like, OK, you got to tune in. Whereas in the NFL, you know, that's definitely uh, the case where you've got big games. I mean, like tonight, Tom Brady goes back to New England, all, all that jazz uh, for baseball. It's, it's a little less commonplace. So. October is baseball's time to shine. So I'm, yeah. I'm fired up, Lucas. It's uh, it's been fun. Yeah. We've, we've worked our way since the trade deadline to the end of the regular season. There, It's been so much fun doing this and yeah, I can't wait for episode 10. going to be talking postseason baseball. Uh, just been so much fun, honestly, Larry, and looking forward to week 10, obviously. Yes, sir. And yeah, and to the listeners again, thanks for listening and looking forward to talking next week too. Step into the box, blah, blah, blah. I th- don't we have a closing tagline? Uh, bye, bye. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks for stepping in. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess. Oh, it's up to Will as to whether or not to edit this out. But he can, he can just add in a little robot voice like, thanks for watching, and that'll just take care of everything. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. Because there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos that will be a home run.